Welcome to the Jesus Never Ran podcast for those who think it's okay to believe differently and for those who believe that questions are not the enemy of progress. Hey, before we get going, a couple of words from our sponsors, Rise Nutrition. You can find them at Rise Menominee on Facebook. That's Rise with a Z. And they're all about a healthier, happier life. So let their wellness coaches give you the personal support to help you achieve your wellness goals. After all, that is their mission. And here's the thing, just for Jesus Never Ran listeners, if you go to their Facebook page, you can message them and get a free wellness profile. It's a 20-minute phone conversation, absolutely free for Jesus Never Ran listeners. So check them out today. Also, Infinity Beverages at www.infinitybeverages.com. They will deliver anything you need right to your door. And don't forget that Thursday is buy one, get one for club members if you're in the Eau Claire, Wisconsin area. That's Infinity Beverages at www.infinitybeverages.com. For many people, the holiday season is not all that holly or jolly because they are dealing with grief. And when you lose a loved one or when you lose really anything, a lot of times the holidays only magnify that. So today we're going to talk about how to deal with grief, especially in the midst of the holidays. And we're going to talk to a good friend of mine, Kathy Escobar. Kathy is the co-pastor of The Refuge just outside of Denver, Colorado. She's an author, she's an advocate, just an incredible human being. And she recently came out with a new devotional called A Weary World, which addresses exactly that, grief during the holiday season. I do wanna let you know, we're going to produce this a little bit different because I don't want to accentuate anybody's grief or anybody's emotion as we go through this. This is a challenging subject, obviously, especially for those out there who are dealing with grief and missing a loved one during the holiday season. So this is just going to be a straight interview. I'm going to ask questions. Kathy's going to answer them. No music underneath it, anything like that. There's just so many great nuggets that we need to learn from Kathy today, and we're going to just let the interview speak for itself. So with that being said, I want to introduce you to my friend, Miss Kathy Escobar. Kathy, I didn't tell you this yet, but you are my first ever guest that's been on Jesus Never Ran three times. I wouldn't want it to be anybody else but you, which makes me think I've been doing this for a little while, but it also makes me think that I always want to talk to Kathy Escobar because she's always got great things to say. And we are going to talk about Christmas, but I think most of us, me and you included, don't want to talk about Christmas maybe the way that we've always talked about Christmas because that's not necessarily the reality of your world and your community that you pastor. And you just wrote a devotional called Called a weary world, which, first of all, best title ever. Second of all, a needed devotional, and I'm not aware of anything like it that's out there right now. So why don't you share a little bit about why you wrote it and what it is? Okay, yeah. So the subtitle on a weary world is Reflections for a Blue Christmas. And my friend Joe Rainey from The Refuge, she's the one that came up with the title. And the minute she said it, you know, I was just asking her to brainstorm. The minute she said it, that was it. And so this project is 
it's really special to me and it's really hard for me. But last year, Westminster John Knox Books, who published Practicing, which is Changing Yourself to Change the World, and it was released in February of last year. And we worked together on it, loved it, but it came out right before the pandemic and, you know, it was wild. But after I had turned in the manuscript and everything, they talked about an Advent guide for 2020 and was I interested and we could fold in some of the practicing things. And so we had a date on the calendar to talk about it and uh, a huge tragedy came upon our family with the death of our youngest son in October of 2019 and so literally my the meeting was kind of set up right after that and so it didn't happen of course we have just been crawling barely breathing all of those things. Um, but as the new year came in 2020, I just was like, whatever happened with that? You know, I was trying to kind of wrap up what maybe this year would look like. And we ended up just having a brief conversation. And I was just honest and said, I'm just not well. <laughs> but I do have one idea that has crossed my mind. And it's the only thing I have in me. And that is just the thought of, could we do something that was just for space for people for who Christmas and the holidays were blue? Because we had done this for years and years at the refuge. And I never really needed blue Christmas personally. I just held the space for my community because a lot of people in our community, uh, the holidays suck. They're not fa-la-la. It's not the most wonderful time of the year. It brings up all kinds of things that it's not for people. And so I hadn't felt that until last year when Jared died. And I just tossed out this idea. I kind of had one and they said, that sounds great. Let's do it. I mean, that's how it came about. And I will tell you, it was really healing for me to write these 28 reflections and to have a place, to have it not be all about just grief of the loss of your flesh and blood, but just real life. It was really healing to me to sit down and write these things and to be able to pull in some things that were from the mini blue Christmases that we had done and things that I really hadn't yet been able to say because of so much shock. I turned in the manuscript on March 13th of 2020, the day that the world came apart. And the irony of the title, that was already the title. I mean, it's so weird how we were weary before March 13th (laughs) and the start of the pandemic. And then now, you know, here we are this many months later and everyone is just so tired. So even people who normally maybe do okay with the holidays are having a harder time this year. Everybody's got a little something they're carrying with them this year because we don't know what it's even going to look like and feel like. We just got past Thanksgiving. That was odd because all of us were stuck at home. Now we're looking ahead to Christmas, which is another time to gather, but we're not going to be able to gather in the way that we have. Like holiday parties aren't going to be a part of our life this year. And so I do think a weary world coming out this year is so perfect. And I hope everybody runs out and grabs a copy because it's we we need a different kind of advent this year and we need to be okay feeling the things we're feeling and that's what I love about you that's what I love about the refuge is that you don't pretend it's always just as authentic and real as could be and that defines your whole community and that's what we need right now so where does that come from where does this truly authentic self where does that come from 
Well, I would just say that, you know, it's always authenticity is um, there's resistance to it. So even though we have more practice at it as a community, I mean, I'll just say, I mean, I don't love it. I don't love being vulnerable. I don't love having to share my story about my son's death by suicide. I don't like to say some of the things that are swirling around in my head and my heart, but I'm grateful that I can and I know I do better when I do. And so I think that built into the refuge ethos as a spirit of recovery, you know, the 12 steps, some of the ethos of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and recovery are embedded in the the refuge ethos. And that we are a group of people who on the whole are just kind of done with pretending or done with um, trying to conform to systems or beliefs that basically have not brought freedom and healing. And so it kind of helps. That helps in our culture. But we're still all human. And we all, this is one of the biggest things I feel all the time. We always want to figure it out how to do better, faster. And this principle is embedded in every church, in the culture around us, and even in our own humanity. We just don't really like being human. You know, I came from kind of conservative evangelicalism, and then that was even a little added layer, just to be honest, of, you know, I got to do better. I need to get in the word more. I need to be more obedient. I need to pray more. I need to get myself out of the way all the time. And all those kinds of things that was just never enough kind of feeling and striving and always trying to figure it out. And a lot of freedom comes, in my opinion, from just honoring we are humans and humans hurt and humans struggle and humans have amazing things happening. And so honestly, this material, even though it like the, the criticism is always, it's like, I don't want to feel worse right now. And the truth is, is that it really kind of is for everybody who's just maybe a little bit done with neat and tidy and wants to be a little bit more honest about honoring reality and our weird stories and the weird Jesus story. The Jesus story is weird and it's messy and it's totally different than a lot of us have been taught it. And then practicing honesty and that that takes intention, but we have big feelings that we need to own and honor and then embracing paradox, kind of holding differences and conflicting things in the same space at the same time and borrowing hope. Sometimes we have it and we can pass it on. And then other times we have to borrow it from other people. And then the thought on Christmas Eve is really Emmanuel, God with us. And I think that even people who have really lost a lot of faith and had a lot of doubts and struggles in terms of conforming to some of the systems still have a longing for that God connection that God would really be with us in it all, no matter what. Now, Kathy, based on what you've went through and based on also how you've helped people through so much over the last however many years, almost 15 years at the refuge, but even beyond that, what would you say to somebody? And I'm honestly just thinking about my own personality and kind of how I 
you know, react to things happening in my life. I don't do well when things don't go well for me. I don't really know how to process that. And so I'm thinking about somebody who's dealing with grief right now, whether that's related to what we've all gone through this year, whether that's because somebody's not there who used to be there, like in, in your family situation. For that person who's holding on to this grief or this sadness in the midst of this holiday season when people are trying to shove joy and goodness down our throats, what's maybe one or two practical ways that people can express their grief and maybe deal with it, especially this time of year? Grief really does not have any rules. And so and I, I knew that intellectually, but I didn't really know it in my soul until now. And so that gives room to be wherever we're at. So people grieving this season, you know, it looks so different for every person. And we unfortunately embedded in a lot of our grief, our limited grief teaching that we received (laughs) is a linear model. Grief is not linear and we want it to be. And people want us to have grief be linear and to walk through the stages. Are you getting through your grief? And this is a huge misconception in my opinion. And I've really taken all stages language out of my vocabulary and shifted to rhythms of grief. Rhythms mean that it moves in and out. And so, you know, some of those stages of denial and bargaining and anger and depression and acceptance. And, you know, those, those are the five things. There's a million other ones, you know, that are part of the story, but just embracing them as rhythms and not resisting it. And so the resistance is I need to do it a certain way to be okay. And grief has no rules. And then the other part I would say is that, oh my gosh, we need people who can hold it and that cannot try and scripturize us, book us. Are you getting through? Are you better than last time? That can understand that grief hits us all the time in different ways. Unrelated to the loss of Jared, I mean, we're still very early on. If you look at the big scheme of grief related to Jared, we're going to be integrating that deep pain into every single day till I take my last breath. It's, you know, it's just part of our story now. And we don't, we're not trying to like get it to a new place. We're just trying to own it and honor it. But I would say that being with people who can hold it for us and just have us be right where we're at and not try and move us along. And so, and not try and move ourselves along and think that we have to do it a certain way for certain people. So then on the other side of the coin, you're right. We, we do this so poorly and we want to throw a Bible verse. We want to throw a book. We want to throw a quote. And it often just creates even more angst and anger in people that are dealing with grief. And so many of us, and again, myself included, don't always know what to do. So what do we do when we are with somebody who Christmas isn't a joyful season, they're going through grief, they're struggling. I, like everybody in the world, want to just help heal the hurt, right? I just want it to go away. I don't want people to be sad. But what what do we do? 
Oh, well, everyone's different. Okay. So it's hard. I don't think there's blanket things, but I don't think you can lose with a few things. (laughs) So one is asking. I will always remember a dear friend of mine. I've known her for years and she knows grief because of loss of a family member. And she sent me one of the best messages that I got because it said, I don't know what to do. If I could, I'd call you every day. I would be at your house right now. I'd bring you food every day. I would do all these things, but I don't want to do that to make myself feel better. I want to know what might be most helpful to you during this season. Is it phone calls? Is it check-ins? Is it text? Is it a voicemail? Like what do not hear from you at all until you're ready? Like, what is it? And I personally really appreciated that because I said, you know, I like check-ins. I like people not to say, how are you? Worst question. (laughs) Okay. And I never realized it. So I never realized it. And my kids will say this too. Like we didn't realize like how much that question comes up. And, and especially like, how are you? You know, like these things. And I know it's people with sincere hearts and I honor that, but it's like an impossible question to answer. And so not how are you, but just, I'm thinking of you. You're on my heart today. Not I'm praying for you. Pray all you want. I always tell people, pray all you want. But that thing is for some, now some is comforting, but the The bottom line is, I think on these kinds of things, it's nice to have it not be about the giver, which is usually why people shut people down. Like, why do you give a scripture? Why do you cross talk? Why do you give advice? Why do you drop book recommendations to people? Why? So that we ourselves can feel better about helping our friend. Instead of really considering, you know, maybe that's not at all what my friend needs. And so I would just say asking and I would say light touch. The hardest part for me out of almost everything, you know, not to dive too hard just into grief of loss of a person, but just the silence of people. And um, we didn't have a ton of that, but we've had it in a couple significant places. And I know it's because they didn't know what to say. You know, I get that and I just give space, but it's nice to be known that someone is thinking about us for us. And so some is knowing the relationship and just being careful about trying to slap something on. I will say personally, every link list book quote is not that helpful (laughs) when you're really hurting. But now some people might be wired another way, but do you want to know how many grief links I got? I think that in these moments, the things that help me the most and seem to help most people that I communicate with the most is, I see you, I hear you, I'm with you. I see you, I hear you, I'm with you. I had one friend, all they did is just send me a heart over and over. That's it. But you know what? I remember that a year and some change later. And so with the holidays, I think what is really hard about it, I'm kind of focused right now on like this deep, deep grief, but not everyone has a whole different layer and the pandemic has created another deep, deep loneliness and separation from humans that's really painful. And so people who are living alone right now or can't see their kids, don't have kids, have disabilities that make them not be able to move in freedom 
even before the pandemic and it's been magnified, you know, a long host of things, being forgotten is really painful. And so that is something I think that we can always do. And it's not to go brighten somebody's day and cheer them up. It's actually just to acknowledge their humanity right now. And so I feel like that's something that we can never lose is checking in on people during this season and just you're on my heart, dropping them a note, you know, doing things that are not about trying to bring fa-la-la to the holidays, but just to truly honor people's weariness and disconnection. In addition to getting a copy of A Weary World and using that, what are ways we can celebrate Christmas, Advent, the holidays that maybe aren't how we've always done it? Because I'm not so sure that the way that we usually celebrate Christmas is all that helpful. It doesn't mean that we can't have fun and we can't do the Christmas lights and the, you know, I'm not saying any of that, but what are ways where we can make it more meaningful? I think one of the things for me on um, how do we make things more meaningful is to make it simpler, I guess. And so I, I do like the lights and the trees and I do like some of those things, but I think part is what do I need for this year? And so I think this particular year, I mean, we're doing it. We're like, okay, so what do we want to hold on to that's dear? And we want to still do. And what do we just need to let go of? And to honor some of the loss in that, like Thanksgiving was so hard for us, not just about not having Jared here. My daughter had COVID and couldn't come. She's okay. My other son's on a Navy deployment and we couldn't have our friends over. You know, we have had, this is long before the refuge since we've been married almost. We've just had a really big Thanksgiving table. So just honoring that it's hard, but we can still do this with our friends in connection and on, you know, doing a little Zoom party that we did, you know, for the refuge and things that we could do that help build some of that stuff. And what can we let go of? And I also just think like this particular year, just giving ourselves so much grace and getting every little bit of joy you can. So like not being afraid of joy. There are all of these good things. This is embracing paradox. This is embracing the Jesus story and the Jesus way. It's not all one and it's not all the other. It's both and. And so I think kind of a way we could maybe honor this year is look for that. Look for gratitude in the grief, you know, look for signs of light in the very short days where there's far more dark sky and anything we can do to honor what we need and maybe try and do that with some humans somehow. The separation that we're experiencing right now is not good for us. We are built to not just be on screens. And so to find ways to human that's safe, I think is something else we could maybe squeeze out of this year and then honor that uh, we are in a collective suffering, which is very helpful because it's not just us and it's not just the United States. We are so myopic. The whole world is doing this right now. (laughs) We're actually doing it the worst, but the whole world is doing it right now. And so we're We're not all alone. And I think 
you know, that's helpful. I know it's been helpful for us. I don't even know how to say this, but I hope it comes through right that your strength, you and your family, you and your husband, what you did in this last 14, 16 months, whatever it's been for everybody that's connected with you to openly walk through your grief has been one of the most meaningful, helpful, inspiring things I've ever seen from anybody. I mean, I've always had this immense respect for you, but when you've done what you've done in the midst of your suffering and pain to help myself and everybody else that's been able to listen to you, you put it out there without any of the rules and without any of the pretty things around it. And I, I just need you to know how helpful that was. And I can't even imagine the healing that that did for so many people. And it's not only helping people that are going through grief right now, it's helping all of us when the next grief comes into our life because it will. Well, it's a joy. And honestly, it helps me. It helps us not feel alone. And it helps, you know, but that's how we're wired. So I'll just keep coming. Grief has no rules. And I would say related to this project, I always want people to know that every loss is loss. Every loss is loss. And we measure them as more significant than others. Then there are more traumatic losses than other ones. But loss is loss. And that we need each other and hope and solidarity in the human experiences to honor that loss and not run from it. So I'm grateful that it helped other people, but I kind of didn't do it for you guys. <laughs> and um, I didn't, I just needed to be able to say some of the things and um, in different spaces. And it's been so helpful for me to hear that feedback. And um, I do want not just grief, but all the feelings to become more accepted. And I want to accept them to be a person who can accept them all also, instead of trying to push them out, which is what I was taught, is to push them out and to get to a new place as fast as I can and move everything through. And just this past week, I read a couple quotes from Soren Kierkegaard, the philosopher. And um, there was one that just really stuck with me. He just said, life is not a problem to be solved. It's a reality to be experienced. And it's just really struck with me because we're always trying to figure out the problem and find solutions to feel better, do better, work harder, be more faithful, be more Christian, be whatever, you know, whatever it is. And um, it's a reality to be experienced. And our reality is sucky. I mean, I hate this story, but it is part of our story. And so, and everyone's got a story. Every single person listening to this podcast, every person with a smile on their face or on the ground, you know, on the floor, barely being able to breathe has a story. And usually those stories are messy and unsolvable. And so learning how to just integrate this pain and this joy into the same life is hard work. It's tiring, but it's also really freeing too. 
Special thanks to Kathy Escobar for this incredible interview, for this incredible conversation. And let us all walk around this holiday season being aware of the hurt and the pain that surrounds us. And also let us have the wisdom and understanding to know how to help. You can get your copy of A Weary World by going to the episode notes, and I'll have a direct link of where you can purchase it there. Kathy's also got several other books. All of them are great. Perfect Christmas presents. Speaking of, I'll also put a link in the show notes to books from several of our authors, several of the people that have been on the show this past year. If you go to that link, again, great idea for Christmas gifts. If you go to that link and purchase through the website, Jesus Never Ran, then Jesus Never Ran also gets a little bit of a cut of that, which helps us continue to have these important and meaningful conversations. Another way you can support Jesus Never Ran is by signing up for the walking club. Go to www.jesusneverran.com and click the walking club. There you can sign up to be a sustaining supporter of Jesus Never Ran. And by doing that, you'll also get a copy of both of Jesus Never Ran's books of the year this coming year. And you'll get video footage, unedited video footage of several of the interviews that we do this coming year. Again, you can go to Jesus Never Ran to sign up today. And as always, you can subscribe to this podcast, give it a five-star rating, and write a review. Next week, we hear from Donald Schmidt, and we will talk about his book, Christmas for the Progressive Christian, which should be fascinating to say the least. And until then, keep walking.